This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be, nah, dude, come over here, this where it's at. Yo, 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 place to be is on my side, dude, because you don't want to be the target when I fly the coop. Nah, place to be is on my side, dude, because you don't want to be the target when I fly the coop. Buenos dias. Man, man, man. We call it the, uh, the place to be. Place to be. Then I shall be. It is contagious. It is the place to be. And we are live each and every Monday. To do, to, to do worse than Josh Richard. Place to Be Nation proudly presents a powerful pair of pro wrestling pundits. It's JT Rosero and Scott Criscolo. And this is the Place to Be Podcast. Welcome back to another great episode of the one and only Place to Be podcast. I'm your host, Just Zero, coming to you here from the PTB studios. And joining me, as always, is my partner on the show, Mr. Scott Criscolo. Scotland, how are you? Uh, JTR, how are you, sir? Uh, welcome, everyone, to episode 611, the longest-running episodic on the fucking gold standard. 89 episodes to seven bills. Uh, how are you on this September evening? Uh, not bad. I'm enjoying the, the briskness in the air. Of course, uh, as a wise man once said, with every bit of joy comes a grain of salt. And of course, that means the end of our backyard basketball season is upon us is the daylight ah, yes. dip. That's so right. it, was, it was a good season. It was a little sort of late, obviously, because I was rehabbing. But uh, I still got a good amount of games in. I got to tally things up and see where we landed. But uh, it was good to get out there as always. And I'm already already ready for next season. Uh, fantastic! Glad that that uh, that the uh, leg held up, and and uh, now we're getting into the fall, and plenty of events coming up over the next uh, uh, several uh, months, including uh, little Thanksgiving action, and uh, we're already talking Christmas and nice. our creative extravaganza. Curious oh, to see boy. what that's going to bring. That's so, a lot of work. It is All a right. lot of work. But anyway, we'll we have we, do, we don't have a triad. We don't have a trios tonight as the AEW cool kids say, but we do have a quartet. Uh, who do we got tonight, JR? Well, speaking of a lot of work, our first guest you hear often on all of these shows uh, puts in uh, tons of efforts and work across all of our feeds, whether it's on air, behind the scenes, doing editing, uh, prepping, loading shows, uh, of course, co-host and host of many, many podcasts. That is uh, Jennifer Smith. Jennifer, how are you? I definitely thought you were going in another direction when you said that, because I am a lot of work, but thank you guys. <laughs> Nothing but kindness here. It's been yeah. a minute. I'm glad to be back. It is. All right. And uh, like Scott alluded to, we do have four of us here tonight. As you know, as many may know, uh, for the majority of the Science Man events, Peter Winston has been with us since uh, probably the late 80s. He's, he was banging them out with us, and he carried over to this rebooted era, but decided to call out sick at the last one. He came this far. And could not complete the contract. Uh, so he tapped out. And as soon as he tapped out, in came our buddy Keith Langston. Keithy, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I am doing just fabulous, let me tell you. 
I agree. It is a beautiful, brisk New England evening here in uh, fair Massachusetts. So, yeah, I'm doing great and ready to rock and roll and hopefully uh, replace Peter moving forward for anything you need uh, <laughs> Peter Winston's take on. I am already on board. All right. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that being a problem. Can't imagine many complaints on <laughs> yeah. that one. Uh, I'm looking back. I'm trying to find as we we're talking about this. I'm trying to find Pete's first Peter's first. Uh, it was pretty early on, I think. Uh, I've got. Uh, let's see, the 10-3-87, I think, Saturday yeah. Night's main event was the first yeah, one. Yeah, that was the first one. Okay. So he, he did a lot of them, for sure. He did. Yeah, he did a hunk, big time. Yeah, Probably too many, some would say. Uh, but <laughs> here we are tonight. It's the final Saturday Night's main event of all time, August 2nd, 2008, with the Verizon Arena in Washington, D.C. It was recorded July 28th, aired August 2nd. Attendance 14,722, a rating of 1.4. On the July 28th Raw, it was announced that a new general manager would be revealed, and of course that was revealed to be Mike Adamley, who now takes over those duties on Raw, and brought us here to this Saturday Night's Mid event. We had a dark match of Paul London taking on Charlie Haas, and then we get to our opening bout of the night. Uh, before we do that, though, like I said, we get our opening animation, Jim Ross, the King, and CM Punk welcome us to NBC. He's in the booth for this opening match. And we are just weeks away from uh, SummerSlam. Are we so. going to go back? Uh, no time machine? Oh, God. Yeah, what am I doing here? The time machine broke. I was wondering. I was like, did we? The government took the time machine away? What's good? I need a time <laughs> machine. Justin is ready to be done with this. Apparently. Yeah, geez. I'm out. I'm out. Um, all right. Let's Yikes. rewind. Let's pause. We'll go back. Back in time. Scott. This week, it's 1994. Uh, yes. Let's go to our vintage nostalgic wrestling time. Yes. Uh, and why don't I take a break and stop talking for a bit? Tell us what house shows are going on <laughs> in uh, 1994 week. this week. Yes. You're start, you got the PG era off on the great foot. Uh, it's, it throws me all off. Like, I know, right? <laughs> Jeez. Keith, you didn't have time to get him in line. Um, mm. So uh, I decided, because obviously this is a, a rare one for us uh, since we started the, the timeline, I could have done either the uh, date it happened or the date it aired i took the date it happened so these are from uh july 28th uh, 1994 uh wwf had both loops going so i have a pair of shows for you the first one uh at the sports arena in san diego california uh here's your card this is this is a jr card if there ever was one the one two three kid defeated quebecer pierre mm. uh our world wrestling federation tag team champions the head shrinkers defeated the heavenly bodies Jerry Lawler defeated Duke the Dump. Well, I don't think he was the dumpster yet. Duke Drosy via disqualification. Lex Luger defeated Crush. Adam Bomb defeated Quang. This is such a July 94 house show. Razor Ramon defeated the world, the uh, intercontinental champion Diesel by disqualification. Bam Bam Bigelow defeated Mabel. And in the main event, our World Wrestling Federation champion, Brett the Hitman Hart, with Bruce Hart in his corner, uh, <laughs> defeated... Uh, uh, little brother own uh really brett needed bruce in his corner really he didn't have the confidence to beat own he needed like the shittiest brother to get sure in the ring. begged and begged and pleaded to be part of that <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> keith wasn't around um so uh the other half of the loop was <laughs> coincidentally in canada i don't know why that, that was weird uh in guelph ontario i have no idea where that is here's your card smoking guns defeated well done mm. uh our women's champion, Alundra Blaze, defeated Luna Vachon. Ted DiBiot, the, uh, I guess, I guess affectionately called the Underfaker, uh, defeated Sparky Plug. Yokozuna defeated Typhoon. So each show had a, like a big man match. You had Bigelow and Mabel in one card, 
And we had Yoko and Typhoon in the other one. Boy, they were definitely testing the uh, struts on these rings. Uh, Jeff Jarrett defeated Doink. And in the main event, which sounds like it'd be a fun match, Tatanka defeated IRS in a strap match. So, sounds like a pretty good main event. And that match did not have Bruce Hart, so clearly better. And uh, finally, uh, we don't have any matches, but WCW did a card in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. How about that? Now, how about that? Jenny, have you been there? I think yeah, you really Smith, Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. If it's near Biloxi or on the way to Biloxi, then yes. So it's a thing. I don't Bay know. Could there be a building in Bay St. Louis? I mean, maybe it's a school. I don't know. It's a place Army. that exists in time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's got a, it's, it's four walls and enough for like 15 something. And half a roof. And half a roof, yeah. yeah exactly. It's like right on the water. It's not far from New Orleans. Uh, it's a Gulfport. Oh, okay. So it's right on the line, then. It's okay. down there. I mean, it is as south as you could possibly get without you know, <laughs> dipping below the pan. Yeah. So there you go. So WCW, no, there were no matches uh, on HistoryWWE.com, but there was a show in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi on July 28, 1994. So there's your uh, classic house show uh, look back. Uh, JR, why don't we fire up a little herb for July? I must have already because. The, yeah, Jesus. Sure did, you, did you finish it before we even got there? All right. Listen, we only got one set of herb notes tonight, so you all better make a count. Uh, this is the Herb Coons tidbits, July 21st, 19. 19- 94. Hulk Hogan won the unified WCW, WCW International World titles on Sunday at Bash at the Beach. Uh, Herb made some calls, but it looks like it's a bit early to have a grip on the buy rate for the show, but estimates uh, estimates are out there from poor to good, so there's no real point in talking about it. So there you go. The local newspaper ran a following blurb. Hulk Hogan, a pro wrestling star admired by millions of young fans, has publicly admitted for the first time that he took steroids for 13 years. I used steroids to get big, Hogan said. During testimony in a Long Island, New York courtroom, Hogan was called by a prosecution in a steroid conspiracy case against World Wrestling Federation President Vince McMahon. I would go by the office to pick up my steroids along with my paycheck and fan mail, said Hogan. The U.S. government banned steroids in 1991 for all but therapeutic uses, damage to liver, kidneys, testicles, heart, and bones. This week in Vince McMahon's saga began with good news for the embattled president as a judge in his case dismissed all but the conspiracy to distribute anabolic steroids charge against him. Most people have talked about the case, thought this is the most weakly established charge of the lot. With Hulk Hogan returning and grand nature of the pro wrestling business, Bret Hart coincidentally has several personal interviews appear in print over the past few weeks. Some highlights from different pieces with absolutely no factual accuracy guaranteed. Hart is 37 years old, one of 12 children of Stu and Helen Hart. Seven of the eight wrestling uh, Hart boys wrestled for a living. I wrestled freestyle in high school, said Hart. Learned all the holds. It's not vital, you know, but big stars like Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior can't wrestle, but it's useful. At college, however, I studied film direction. I was broke, so I refereed for my dad. When I was heard wrestlers talking about the money they made, it changed my thinking. So I got great instruction on how to take falls, deliver blows, and so on. Today, I'm proud to say that in 17 years, I've never hurt nobody. He started as a heel. My parents hated that, but it's just a way to get established. Baby faces react. The rule breakers initiate. He said his big break was teaming with his brother-in-law, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, as the Hart Foundation and the Dirty F. We were bad guys the first time, then good. By the time we drifted apart, I was developing my own personality. I realized fans like the notion of a nice fellow with a sinister background to call upon. After I suffered a lot, I'd say, while trying to stick to the rules. Kind of like Michael Keaton's take on Batman. He had trouble becoming proficient in interviews. I used to watch myself on tape, and it was so bad I'd squirm. I'd stumble over my words. I was nervous. My eyes would dart around. 
And then I had an idea, dark glasses. Behind them, I'd be more confident and no one would see my eyes and it worked. Now, if a producer needs a 45 seconds, I can give it to him. What I didn't expect is that the shades would become my trademark. When I go to the ring now, I give them to kids. Even after a lifetime in the game, this bothers dad a bit, feuding with Owen. As mom went up in the hospital with tension, people take me aside and say, geez, Brett, your brother, but what can I tell you? They're great boats. About Hulk Hogan going to WCW. There's a lot of talk about Hogan versus Flair. It's a great match. Greatest match of all time kind of stuff. It might have been the greatest match in people's minds 15 years ago, but you're really going to see Ric Flair is very limited in the ring. In my opinion, his best days are long over before he even lost to me. Hulk Hogan, I don't know if anyone's seen him now. I'm embarrassed for him. The guy used to be a hero to me. I'm embarrassed to see what he's become, like flogging a dead horse, the WCW thing. There'll be some interest initially, but it will wane fast. So as usual, the hitman speaking his mind uh, ahead of any shoot interview days. A little more on the uh, on WWE referee Joey Morella's death. There have been mixed reports about whether he was wearing a seatbelt at the time. Originally, reports said that Joey fell asleep at the wheel and was tossed from the car when it wrapped itself around a tree. Harvey Whippleman survived the car crash with minimal damage, but will still be inactive for a bit. Apparently, no part passing traffic stopped to aid Whippleman until he threw a fender on the road and forced someone to stop. Three weeks of TV had been taped when the accident occurred on July 4th, so the death will not be mentioned on TV until all of Joey Morella's matches have aired. aired. Jack Tunney says the boys in the dressing room are still shaking. Wrestling is business, but it's also a fraternity. And everyone associated with WCW also is feeling pain. Smoky Mountain Fan Week takes place August 5th to August 13th, with a lot of events planned over those days. A detailed summary of events and pricing was presented a few weeks back. I've now finalized my travel plans to entire to attend the entire Fan Week run. I suppose there's a good reason to expect a good highlights post some time after a return. There'll be no tidbits posting on August 11th. Clash of Champions on August 24th. Steve Regal versus Tony Onoki. There is also talk of Hogan versus Flair. SummerSlam. Brett versus Owen. Taker versus Taker. Tatanka versus Luger. And War Games at Fall Brawl in September. Funk, Buck, Anderson, and Ming versus the Rhodes Boys and the Nasty Boys in a War Games match. Uh, Keithy, any thoughts on any of the notes uh, being spun out here by Herb this week? I mean, it seems like Brett is sticking to his story all these years later, because that sounded exactly like word for word <laughs> yes. is 80 biography. So yeah, it's good to see Brett sticking with the story. I always think Brett's Brett's probably one of the most honest guys in the wrestling industry. Uh, it's, he was way off about Hogan and flair there. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's kind of it on as far as notes. <laughs> Pretty funny though. <laughs> what do you think, Jenny? Anything jump out of you? I really enjoy, um, Herb's deep dive into the little Brett bio. I was really kind of hooked on that, so <laughs> I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to read some of Brett's uh, work. Well, he's got a book you can read. Mm-hmm. It's about 900 pages, so yeah. If it's all like that. that, then I'm in. Can you <clears throat> read them to me, or Keithy will read them to you. Okay, yeah, that'll yeah. work. Yeah, uh, it's funny how 1994 he didn't give a shit even then either. Uh, it's like, well, yeah, it's the match at the bash at the beach. That's because WCW adds the thes, so it doesn't even look uncomfortable, sound uncomfortable with press says the bash at the beach when the Hulk Hogan and the broken down asshole Ric Flair. Um, yeah, nah, nothing, nothing to say there. Just typical, (laughs) typical bread, I guess. Typical Herb, uh, as always. I'm interested to see his uh, Smoky Mountain Fan Week travels uh, play out over the next couple of weeks. So we'll see where that goes. All right. Well, listen, I screwed us up before quite a bit. Uh, some may say it took us on a fantastic voyage of nonsense before we got back on track. Also taking us on a fantastic voyage is Coolio, 
because it's the number three song in the nation this week in 1994, and that brings us into Scott Criscolo's Vintage Pop Culture Corner. Uh, thank you, JR. The reason uh, that uh, he had to go to number three is the same two songs have been number one forever. Uh, however, finally, after I don't know how many straight weeks at number one, uh, I Swear by All For One was bumped by the, uh, the song you mentioned on our last episode, and that is uh, Stay, I Missed You by Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories. So that's number one, finally, after I Swear was All For One, I feel like, I swear, feel like number mm-hmm. one. Or uh, pretty much the entire stay of 2008. Uh, Fantastic Voyage. As you mentioned, my Coolio at three. Can You Feel the Love Tonight by Elton from The Lion King at four. Anytime, Anyplace slash And On and On by uh, Janet at five. Don't Turn Around by Ace of Base at six. Regulate from Above the Rim by Warren G and Nate Dogg at seven. Wild Night, the remake by John Mellencamp with Michelle Nijin. I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Anyway, he had a singer with him. Uh, that's number eight. Funk Defied by DeBrad at nine. Back Great and song. forth by Aaliyah at ten. So pretty much the same songs from earlier in the month. Just kind of jumbled around a little bit. Jenny, any any of those uh, strike your fancy? Well, I'll always dig uh, Ace of Bass, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All of those are good. Yeah, pretty solid. Keithy? Anything it's good? a strong ten, yeah. It is a strong I- Ace of Bases was my jam back in the day, but yeah, uh, yeah. I swear that's a friggin' juggernaut. That song was oh god, I remember that at every friggin' high school dance. Oh. Yeah, it's crazy. It literally it was number one. I think like six straight pay per views. The JR and I have done it did not move. <laughs> I don't remember it being number one that long. I mean, I remember it being in the top like five, but I didn't remember it being number one. That I don't. Long. I don't remember it being number one either. But yeah, I mean, it was on all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. It was definitely like a killer. And, and 1994, as we'll continue on, was a pretty good year for music. And, oh, and yeah. I realized that song dominated as much as it did. So there we go. So let's go from the radio to the big screen and go to uh, the movies. Uh, let's see what happened. This is only a week later. So most of these movies, roughly the same as we had last week. But we have new guests with us this week. So at number nine, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. This is actually a pretty good list here. Uh, four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, Speed at number eight, which would eventually make over 100 million. Angels in the Outfield at seven. Uh, a debut this week, It Could Happen to You at number six. Lion mm. King, the original, at number five. The Client, uh, John Grisham at number four. True Lies, one that I uh, waxed, big, uh, waxed beautifully about uh, on the last episode. Uh, tremendous Arnold uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis special. Forrest Gump dropped to number two after being number one on our last episode, because making its uh, debut on this weekend and dropping $37 million in the first weekend, little Drew Carey spin. Uh, Drew Carey. Jim Carey. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember him. <laughs> yeah, Drew, yes. Drew Carey, the movie. It was that Price is Right. Buzzfeer, the, Buzz the prequel. <laughs> totally different movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Ron Carey, Jim. 
Two R's, not one R. Uh, Jim Carrey with uh, anybody want to take a guess? The mask. Oh, yeah, the mask. mask. Yeah. Yes, the mask. Mm. Yes. Uh, big fan, Jenny? Of course. Duh. This is the theme to the mask, I believe. Right? Or is that no. Ron Carey? Ron Carey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I'm not going to. I feel like every six months on the Place to Be podcast, I rant about the Drew Carey show not being anywhere streaming. And I will I not know. do it tonight. I promise. I won't. It is a shame. It's a travesty. Because, yeah, there is. There, I read something somewhere lately because I was thinking the same thing and uh, some kind of rights and publishing shit so like most stuff that good stuff that's not streaming anyway the mask was the number one movie Juggernaut. this week i mean this is like jim carrey mm-hmm. like he dominates like 94 right is it ace ventura was what 93 or is that 94 i know dumb and dumber is 94 yeah dumb and dumber i think uh the first ace ventura is that honestly was even 92 or was it's that 94 two? ace ventura 2 or was that 95 let's look it up uh, Ace Ventura 1 was February 94, so he does yeah. all three oh, wow. in 94. Wow. I think the second one is 95. I think it's 95 or 96. He is that great Canadian, is that Canadian work ethic? You know? Yes. Churning them out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. November but, uh, 95 is Ace Ventura 2. They're not even two years <laughs> apart. Wow. That's fantastic. Holy Jesus. shit, though. Like, Ace Ventura and the mask six months apart. That's fucking, Seriously. that's, that's back-to-back bombs right there. Cable Guy is June of 96. Oh, my I God. I love that movie. Wow, that is a great movie. What else? Did he have any others during that stretch? I know it's the two Asian tours, Dumb and Dumber. Batman Forever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Batman, Batman Forever is 95. Yep, yep. That's yeah. 95. Batman's 95. One of the few highlights. Liar Liars 97. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Truman 90. Show 98. Man yeah, on the Moon 99. 98. Yep, yep. Oh, my Me God. Me, Myself, and Irene 2000. The Grinch 2000. That. The Majestic 2001. I mean, that is every year. <laughs> yeah, 90, 94. Pretty much 94, because... Before '94, he was pretty much known as the guy, the the fucking crazy metal guy that died in the Deadpool and Pink uh, and Fireman, uh, Fireman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was Fire Marshal Bill. On Fire Marshal Bill. Yeah, yeah. Was Fireman Ed? And then the uh, Bill and the Firebreaker. He's what's the? He was like the the really ugly female like viking muscle builder or whatever <laughs> yeah. on that suit. Oh, that yeah. was a great skit too that he recur- that yeah. was a recurring bit for him. So I'm I mean movies, but yeah, no, I'm yeah. living color obviously is a stud. But yeah, imagine Ace Ventura, The Mask and Dumb and Dumber all in one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to like like that may be one of the greatest years mm-hmm. like actor actress history, oh, right? Sure. As far as like movies in one year. I mean, that's those are three comedic gems right there. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Here's a question for you guys. Do you remember one of his first movies? Back well, in, like, I'm looking I at think... the filmography, so I'll oh, lay out. <laughs> right, yeah. Back in, I'll give you a hint. 85. Uh, Once Bitten. Yes. Wasn't he that with, uh, what's her name? Uh, don't tell me. Lauren Hutton. Yep. Right? Yes. Yeah. I remember that movie. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Also, it is, it, Cleavon Little in it, which is yes. fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Blazing Saddles, Cleavon Little. <laughs> yep. Never thought we'd mention Cleavon Little on a podcast. You're the best, Keith. <laughs> You're coming back. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> Got to mention Cleavon Little. He's awesome. But yeah, I mean, and he again, he was the he was in the Deadpool, which was uh, Dirty Harry's last movie. He was in that Earth Girls Are Easy. That was actually pretty good late 80s uh, trash romp. And then, uh, yeah. And then he uh, and then 94, he fucking just explodes. Mm-hmm. He Crazy. sold his soul to the devil, obviously, around 93. It was worth it. Whatever yeah. he did, yeah. it was worth it. Seriously. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I mean, a little totally. bit of a little bit of a tie in too. when you Jim Carrey, we're talking 94. Then a certain someone that he's tied to in 08, we'll talk about later. Oh, but. God. Yes, we will. 
<laughs> Pull it all together. And he's still going. You know why? Because he's really good in the Sonic the Hedgehog movies. Over the last three years, so. still I still haven't fun. seen those. Although Not I think he officially, I th- didn't he say he retired? I think he's actually retired. I think the, They're making a third Sonic, and I think he's in it, so. Yeah, I thought he said he was retired. Anyway, uh, so there you go. So there's the bet. There's the top movies uh, this week in 19, July 29th, 1994. So Jim Carrey dominates again. I mean, to bump Forrest Gump after just two mm-hmm. weeks, that's pretty impressive. And then Gump, of course, is you know one of the greatest movies of all time. So uh, finally, let's take a look at what's going on on the diamond in Major League Baseball right before we're, we're still the clock's still ticking. Um, you know, this was about the time I, I think I remember late July of 94 when it was really starting to be discussed that there was a possibility that we would not have an end of the season by the end of July. Donald fear that mush faced fuck would be on the screen every two minutes, you know, bitching and crying about something. And not that we were the biggest Bud Selig fans or whatever, or even the Faye Vincent. But anyway, uh, on this day, uh, let's see the, uh, let's get our teams here. Red Sox beat the Yankees one, nothing. Yes. Who cares? Let's see the Mets and uh, Jenny's Braves are both off. Uh, Yankees lead the East by six over the Orioles. They were pulling away. Uh, Cleveland overtook the White Sox from our last uh, show, and mm-hmm. they were a game ahead in the Central. Uh, Texas leading the West by two, and they're all still under 500. Uh, Montreal moved ahead by two and a half over the Braves in the National League East. Uh, the uh, Astros had jumped ahead of Cincinnati, and they were a half game ahead in the Central. And finally, the Dodgers were uh, a half game uh, behind Colorado. And wow, they were also all four teams were under 500. Mm. That's fucking nuts. The AL West and the NL West, all four teams in both divisions. Did they change with the um, with the wild card adding that year? Is that the first year they did like the balance or I'm about like, did they change the schedule or they had to have, right? Yeah. What if that played a nuts. role in those teams? Yeah. Yeah, this is nuts. Like the Dodgers are leading the West at 49 and 52. I mean, right. they're not as bad as the teams in the in the AL West. The the Mariners are 19 games under, and the well, no, I guess the the Padres are 22 under. But yeah, this is nuts. Like all four teams in both West divisions were under 500. And, and Montreal must really make some hay then, because the the strike is what like middle of August, and yeah. I remember everyone acting like they were like a lock for the World Series and all that. So they must really have a crazy few weeks here uh, yeah. before the strike. Yeah. So any event. So there you go. Uh, that is what is going on in baseball. The end of July of 94. And that is it for uh, your pop culture corner. All right. Really quickly, be sure to check out everything on all of our podcast networks here that we have to offer. The North South Connection has great content coming at you daily, both uh, current day wrestling and a lot of evergreen content on historical pro wrestling as well. Uh, when I say daily, I mean daily. We have we have a great show dropping just about every day. NorthSouthConnection.Podbean.com. And every Wednesday, you can check out content from uh, the very hardworking Jennifer Smith. The, that a, is a, In the business, we yeah, call that a cue, Jennifer. It was. And yeah, I yeah. Cuted, that's what the pause so, means. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> I say your name and the pause. That's for you to talk. Pause. That's when you talk. And yeah. <laughs> it's Women Crush Wednesday. That's where I am on, on NoSo. So all my shows like... You heard about Pluto and Freak Out Drive-In. Um, you can find Wednesdays plus some wrestling shows, maybe a new one or two, maybe a returning one or two. Mm. And uh, the month of October will feature all Freak Out Drive-Ins every Wednesday. You'll get a new episode of Freak Out Drive-In. Excited for that. Yeah, that's because of Halloween, so be sure yeah. to check that out. Uh, Keith, anything you want to plug? What do you got going on on GFA Live lately? 
Uh, so we're actually been doing a little bit of a rundown from uh, the we, we've decided to do these big, long excursions into weekly shows and then kind of culminate into a pay-per-view. So right now mm-hmm. we're in the summer of 92, uh, inching ever forward towards the SummerSlam, the SummerSlam event in uh, London. And uh, we're just we're we're looking to do something a little different, like maybe go to another year, perhaps another territory afterwards. But uh, it started off with the Sid podcast where we became obsessed with Sid Justice. And then we took a little break when Sid left. And then all of a sudden we're right back because Pete wants to just torture me by watching constant nails vignettes. And now we're in the nails (laughs) and fucking Rocco. And I pretty much want to I want to shoot myself every time I talk to him. (laughs) He just, a Peter thing, fucking he nails. Just sends, yeah, he sends me nails pictures and Rocco pictures Rocco. pretty much on the daily, and I'm just so miserable. But um, yeah, it's been Jesus. it's been a it's been a journey. Let's just put it that way. That <laughs> summer of '92 is rough. Um, I, yeah. I think they realized it, and that's why they created King of the Rain the next year. Because <laughs> I feel like they were like, this is way too much dead time. And they have that big European tour, and they mm. live off of that for a while. But there's that's. Even as a kid, as an 11 year old diehard, I remember that feeling like a long stretch between Mania and SummerSlam. Yeah, he he was he was he's torturing me because I think I said somewhere in between right after WrestleMania, I said, you know, I don't think the rest of 92 was all that bad. I mean, because <laughs> I was forgetting all of the summer and I was thinking yeah. up to like the Survivor Series and I went, oh, shit, there's an awful lot of warrior. <laughs> right. Uh, Scott, anything you want to hit quickly before we dive in? Uh, not just keep up the great stuff uh, that you see on uh, the PTV Wrestling Network, place to be.poppy.com. Tremendous shows all the time. And also a special welcome to our uh, new uh, members of the of the family, the Continental Memphis Wrestling Cast, which you can check out every Saturday. And uh, their monthly show called Time Warp. And that'll drop the first Sunday of every month. You can listen to all the great shows, including two that the lovely Mrs. Smith is on, PTB NXT and Talking WCW. The Great Muda one was an excellent episode, by the way, man. Oh, thanks. I love that episode. Much. Yes, enjoyed it very much. So check out all it. It helps you with all of your, uh, with all the great uh, WWE and WCW content. Speaking of, why don't we, we haven't really mentioned this lately, JR. Get your ballots uh, in for our five-year revisited mm-hmm. of your greatest WWE superstar uh, of all time. Uh, ballot. Of course, we did it in 2017. We're doing it again now because a lot has changed in five years. Guys have come, guys have gone, girls have come, girls have gone, and mm. guys have come and gone in five years. So uh, continue. Go on the Facebook page, get your nominations in, have some discussions, look over your list, and get it to us by New Year's Eve. So you've got uh, about four and a half months, something of that, about four months now, something of that nature. Get it in, and uh, we'll tally it up. And in 2023, we will do the official. Composite list on placebnation.com, and then we will come up with a new uh, topic for research for 2023. Looking forward to that. So check out all the great feeds, Place B, the uh, PTV Wrestling Network, the NOSO, with the Jenny position in it, and of course the PTV Pop Experience. You don't need to go anywhere else, right there in the ether. Now, JR, we can go to Washington, D.C. We're going to do it. We, we haven't talked about it at all yet tonight. But we're going to now. That is the August 2nd, 2008 edition of (laughs) Saturday Night. (laughs) Live from Washington, (laughs) D.C. 
all know the, the background of how we got here. Mike Adam, he's now the GM. Might have heard that elsewhere. Uh, we get welcomed into the Verizon Arena by Jim Ross, by Jerry the King Lawler, and our champion CM Punk for our star-studded opening six-man tag match featuring John Cena, Crime Time, and Batista taking on JBL, Ted DiBiase, Cody Rhodes, and Kane. So a really big eight-man battle to get us going. And it was a nice idea to start in the ring with a mix of big stars. JBL comes half down the aisle, Crime Time interrupts, and they come out to a pop. DiBiase and Rhodes are next, then Cena. Just an odd way to introduce everyone. It's like out of mm -hmm. order, not mm -hmm. by team order, so it's kind of weird. Uh, we get a huge pop for Cena. Kane's still carrying this weird mystery sack. Uh, we get a huge pop for Batista, loaded star power. JR notes that Mike Adamley is now the GM of Raw. He made a match between John Cena and Batista for SummerSlam, so kudos to Adamley. Punk is out scouting Batista and Kane uh, start off. Uh, part of Punk is out here scouting in general. And Batista and Kane start off with some big punches and a Kane boot. Punk says he doesn't have an opponent yet for SummerSlam, so he's preparing for anyone. We get big cheers for Batista. He knifes back through Kane for a near fall. Cody tags in and Batista throws around with ease. JTG comes in and hammers away and tags Shad, who military presses Cody for two. Shad is a snake eyes, but Cody slips free and tags Kane. Cuts down Shad and kicks away. We take a break. We come back. JBL is in control with his methodical offense. Shad gets worked over by all four guys. They do a pretty nice job quick tagging. A lot of basic offense here. Shad eventually kicks Cody down, but he's a big drop kick and he can't make the tag. Shad counters a suplex and gets one of his own on DiBiase. And we finally get the hot tag to Cena. Gets a pop as he cleans house. He wrecks JBL. Things break down. All eight guys get in and start brawling. JTG hits a big rocket launcher on DiBiase, but it's not he's not the legal guy, so he can't cover. JBL then hits JTG with a clothesline from hell to pick up the win. And I will say to you all that this felt like a giant big waste of resources. Uh, it looked really cool on paper, and it could have clicked and gotten molten. But instead of using these guys in a sprint race filled with pops, we get this never-ending heat segment on Shad with all sorts of basic strikes. Like, this is the match where you just have the bombs throwing for 10 minutes, guy after guy after guy flowing in. We didn't get that at all. No, we didn't get the fun shine after the hot tag. We just got the quick finish. A waste of Cena and Batista. They tried to get too cute. They should have done like a contract signing or something with these guys instead of sticking them here. Uh, and it was obvious by this point, the end. Uh, was setting up JBL as the top contender for Punk. He beat Cena at Great American Bash. Then he wins this match here while Punk watches. So it's it's pretty obvious they're headed that way. So Sky went two stars. I thought this was really disappointing, uh, given how much time we had put into it, um, or how many stars, I should say, were put into it. Uh, I agree. I gave this uh, a two. Your match time, 11 minutes. The weird thing about this, it's funny you say that, JR, about um, like basic strikes and stuff. You could tell that this was not like you could tell that if WWE had their way, they would have just canceled this and not add the show because historically, and we could say this now since uh, to date, of course, this is the last mm -hmm. uh, Saturday Night's main event. Saturday Night's main event was meant for the mainstream audience to kind of see the current stars and maybe to get into the product and perhaps buy the upcoming right. pay-per-view, which in this case is SummerSlam. And usually... A match like that with all these stars is booked exactly as you just described. It should have mm -hmm. been. There should have been big bombs. There should have been huge moments and cool stuff. The announcer should have kind of talked as if no one ever watched this before. That's what Saturday Night's main event's meant to be. Even if you're suspending disbelief that most people watching already know, but that's the whole point of putting it on network TV is to get those casual fans. It's kind of like a, 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 a kind of a lower level of, of, WrestleMania where, you know, you're building and you're getting some some mainstream pub. But 
That's what the point of this is. And instead, you booked it like a regular match on either a pay-per-view or a Raw or something that that casual fans will go, oh, really? This is the best you could do? And mainstream fans are like, well, that was really dull. I'm not watching. I'm not watching what these people want to give us. So it was just a terribly thought out match for a platform that was meant for the mainstream audience. And instead of getting what we used to get on classic Saturday Night's main events with, you know, exciting kind of storytelling and, like I said, bombs being thrown and finishers and crazy shit, we got like a match that would be on like, you know, the hour one into hour two episode of Raw. Like, oh, okay, that's it. So I went two stars, Jenny. This could have been 10 times better if it was booked under the platform with which it was presented. Or maybe if they explained anything about who the teams were or what was happening because everybody comes out out of order and I'm writing everybody right. down and I'm like, okay, what, what, what's happening? And nobody Kings, no, like JR's not telling us, okay, are we doing attack? Like, are they talking? Like I couldn't figure out were we having a match or not? Um, so it was just odd, just very odd. I, I did enjoy um, Punk saying that, uh, you know, the ring needs to be reinforced with some of the size of these guys' egos in the ring now. And I thought, okay, Punk, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> it's just funny. I, this is on, like, NBC. So in the weirdest moments, JR will pick to um, shill – last comic standing or (laughs) you know one of the shows there and i'm like you have like some big stars in your ring right now i mean i understand they have to plug it but he picked the weirdest times during this match and i guess maybe because he was a little bored because poor shad was just getting his ass beat um that was the bulk of the match with a lot of basic shit like you guys said um more of just moving around than than any like any real fighting it felt like. So I did two and one quarter star. So um, mostly just for the star power. Um, what did you think, Keithy? I went with two stars as well. Um, I was really confused with the order of the entrance. Because yes. I was like, I didn't. And I also didn't real like, I guess I forget what was going on during regular TV at the time because I was, I was confused with the lineups because I was trying to think back to the first couple of reboot Saturday night's main events where, you know, you had it look, they were making the tag team matches that seemed to fit. I mean, Tr- John Cena and Triple H were fighting each other that year. Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton were fighting each other that year. So it kind of made sense, but really I have to echo that once we had, once we got to Monday night raw, there was no reason for Saturday night's main event to be a thing. Right. anymore because you had the jobbers on the weekly on the Saturday morning shows and that's where you saw Tito Santana every single week beat a jobber and then he would go on Saturday night's main event and he would lose to Bad News Brown and it made sense but this now that Raw had superstars versus superstars there's no reason for Saturday night's main event this is basically just a, a pay-per-view at this point and a bad one at that this one was like just this match was just garbage I feel I mean I gave it two stars because of the because of the star power, um, it was definitely just a showcase for JBL. I liked the clothesline from Hell actually at the end. I thought I thought that uh, JTG took it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and but again, with it being a Saturday Night's main event, you're trying to get the not normal crowd tuning in. I think a Batista John Cena 
just have them in a tag match against, even if it was against like Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase, at least it's like a match where like you can have a little bit of bumping between the two of them. And then it leads to, you know, a little bit more interest for SummerSlam. Um, I will say that uh, Cena was still, I feel like he was still super over, so he wasn't getting booed, but it took me a minute to realize why Batista was so over, and it's because it's in Washington, D.C., and that's where he's being billed from. So I was like, oh, that makes yes. sense. Yep. And uh, definitely, I think Kane was carrying Jake's Cobra, I think, was in that bag. That's just what I think, so. <laughs> God knows what Kane would do with it. We know what Earthquake would do with it, but yes. I don't know what Kane would do with it. Mm. Um. All right, let's roll on. Definitely a disappointing opener. Jeff Foxworthy's with us. He talks about autism and how to donate. Uh, Carmen Electra then does the same, also here to talk and ask for donations to the charity we're uh, hyping tonight. We then get a hype video for uh, the SummerSlam title match between Triple H and Great Khali. And that brings us to the ring for our next match, which features our number one contender, the Great Khali, taking on Jimmy Wang Hyang. Khali got reheated back up to the world title picture. The new contender for SummerSlam. We'll see if he can dig some of his magic back from last year. Yang, I mean, literally has no chance here. Kali mashes him away. Slams it down hard. It's a good aura about Kali here as the crowd ooze for his power stuff. But they quickly start chanting, you can't wrestle. Yang pushes free, comes off the top. But Kali chops him on the way down and finishes him with the tree slam. Just a squash as Kali preps to get his title back at SummerSlam. And Yang does the job, Jenny. I went half a star. I, I just, I didn't rate it really. Just total splash. Like, it's fine. I mean, I wonder if that hurts his feelings, though, when they chant stuff like that at him. I mean, I'm sure he hears it a lot, but yeah, like. He probably then sees his paycheck and is like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that helps. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like that's super mean and like kind of unnecessary. I mean, what? Oh, we don't need to hear that, dudes. What about you, Scott? Uh, yeah, I mean, it gets, it gets played out. It's, but what's worse about it in this instance is he's getting cheered and then they chant it literally five seconds later. It's like, that's really weak. Um, now this is, this is a match you would have seen on a classic, uh, Sarance main event, a big heel squashing a baby face to prep for his big title match at an upcoming something or other. In this case, obviously Kali is taking on a uh, triple H at SummerSlam. Uh, and that's fine. That's all we needed it to be. Keithy was just. Kali squashing some stiff to prepare himself for his big match. So in this instance, this is the kind of match you want to see on a Serenance main event. Yes, I would agree. Uh, the only thing that bothered me is that in the hype video for for uh, Gray Kali, they show him beating up Jimmy Yang Wang. So Jimmy Wang, <laughs> yes, excuse me. So I thought that was kind of dumb. Uh, you don't, you know, maybe not put the guy that he's beating up in the hype video for a match <laughs> that he's fighting. Again. I don't know. That was just me. Um, I mean, I have to give it ha I gave it one star. And the only reason is because Kali has a very special place in my heart because my brother does a phenomenal impersonation of him, like <laughs> lumbering around the house. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> that and you can almost I mean, I feel like you can almost see his iron right leg that we always say that he has like just one straight leg in this match. It's just I want to one time I just want to go to him and just pull that pant leg up and just be. See, I told you it's iron right there. <laughs> um, made out of the same materials. Uh, Carry on Eric's foot. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. I'd be but, careful how far you pull that pant leg up. Well, <laughs> you can't do it too far. He is a giant <laughs> among men, right? You don't know also which way he hangs, so pick pick wisely. Also made of iron. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Uh, that said, we hear from Ben Stiller. Talks about autism as well. 
And then out comes Jenny McCarthy uh, to mild canned applause. She talked about her charity and autism. And I mean, this is obviously a big thing at the time. This was when uh, all this anti-vax, you know, vaccines create autism stuff was really hot and heavy. She was the face of it. So they are partnering with her here. I don't know if this was their idea, if it was an NBC idea. Uh, I, I don't think it was as divisive at the time. Like I, I definitely think there's an audience that you know was against it and didn't agree with it. I think now it would obviously be a bigger deal if this was something today. But yeah, uh, Jenny, any thoughts on uh, Miss Jennifer McCarthy? Oh, I have lots. Um, ugh, okay, so I was trying to. I got super offended by at all, at all of it, and but I was trying to think like, okay, there's a lot of offensive things in wrestling that I do overlook. But I think that the difference with this is it's not a gimmick. She's not a wrestler. It's not a story. It's it's like a cash grab for her fucking made-up mm-hmm. charity for something that doesn't exist and they don't understand. And it's all inaccurate information. The entire charity is bullshit. And I hope they didn't raise a dime when they did this. So that's how I feel about Knowing it. wrestling fans, in my experience, they definitely raised no dimes. Okay, good. <laughs> for this yeah. to be my guess. Yeah. At least Keith, it was quick, yeah. is all it I was can quick. say. What'd you uh, oh, God, I was... Uh, first of all, they kept saying she was going to get into the ring and yes. fight autism. She uh-uh. never even got down halfway down the <laughs> ramp. Like, she seriously stat... Like, she stood right underneath the Titantron. If it's Ugh. still called the Titantron at the time. I mean, I, I just... Uh, another thing, it, I don't know if anybody knows this or not. I did, because, you know, I'm a dirty old man. But, like, it must have been cold in there because her left nipple was definitely <laughs> showing. Uh <laughs> Go back and watch it. I should have wrote down the time. Um, and then I just really want to know, like, what happened to the great tag team of the WWE and Generation Rescue? It seems like they went right from that to Susan G. Komen and then Cure for Connor. So I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Jenny McCarthy was a thing back then, right? God. And she, she was, was everywhere with, during this. And she was with, with was she with um, our Donnie's, good friend, yeah. uh, our good friend, The Mask? <laughs> Jim yeah. Carrey? Jim, uh, Drew Carey? 2008? She was with Drew Carey, I think. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't. She no. definitely was with him at this point because... Oh, actually, no, they weren't. But he was still working with her a bit on the vaccine stuff. Like, Oof. he was still... He was involved in all that. Um, mm. I don't know if he still is there, but... Uh, let me see. He actually dated Linda Ronstadt early 1983. <laughs> well, Ooh, no, I bet that was hardcore. Well, I she's with uh, Donnie Wahlberg now. Yeah, she Jenny. was with him still. She left. Yeah. She left. Uh, their, their their relationship ended in 2010, and she married Donnie Wahlberg in 2014. So yeah, yeah. she was still with him at this point. Yeah, so they they met in 05, went public in 06. I don't think they ever got married though. I think they were just together. He was married to Lauren Holly, who was in Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. I just every time Jenny McCarthy pops up, I always say, just remember where she started. She was like a playmate who was on Singled Out. Yes. I mean, that's where and we're listening to her for advice on autism and vaccine. I mean, I don't know. Well, that's, that explains today's uh, news cycle as well. Yes. But uh, better show singled out or remote control? Remote control. Yes. A thousand percent. How dare you in my own house? <laughs> All right. Better show remote control or win Ben Stein's money. Ooh. Oh, ooh, ooh. Ben ooh. Stein. Shit. That's a coin toss, really, for me. But I'm going to go with remote control because I'm older. Yeah, (laughs) I love remote control. Remote control is great. There was a Ben Stein, when Ben Stein's money 
um, computer. I think it was a website that had the game. You go and you play it. It was <laughs> yes, so yeah. much fun. I yes, played it endlessly. Yes. Um, and my friend actually in elementary school had a remote control computer game, and this had to be like the early night. Like it had to be one of the earliest like computer home computer games or whatever. Oh, but God. I remember being at his house playing remote control in like 1993 or whatever. Um, yeah. Did it have a days. computer? Did it have a computerized Colin Quinn? That's all I want to know. <laughs> I mean, it had to. Sure. Yes. Sure, we could do a Google deep dive and dig it up. But. Uh, all right, we get a recap video of the Edge and Vicky Guerrero issue. Vicky has forgiven her husband, but says as payback for all this nonsense, she has reinstated the Undertaker out of anger and reveals that she scheduled Undertaker to take on Edge at SummerSlam in a Hell in a Cell match to get her revenge. We then get a rundown of the SummerSlam card to this point. Leads us into our main event of the evening, and that is Jeff Hardy taking on Edge. Of course, always good to see Jeff here. He's been aimless since the return. Due to get going again, Edge is a spiraling mess. Now he's going to deal with his old rival. Edge is solo. JR says he's a desperate psychopath and is definitely looks shaken as he comes out. JR says what Edge did to make Foley on SmackDown last night is inexcusable. And we get footage of a pretty infamous segment. It's Edge just beating the crap out of Foley. Foley was trying to uh, hype him up for the Hell in a Cell. Uh, Edge put him through a table. And that would actually be it for Mick Foley on WWE TV. That ended his commentary run that started a backlash. So he's already gone. Uh, he'd head to TNA pretty much right after this. Uh, the story has it that he he pretty much wanted to walk because he was sick of Vince McMahon barking in his ear on commentary. And I don't, I mean, when's he come back? I don't think he's back for a long time, right? Uh, well, is he in the, when's he go to the Hall of Fame? That's 2013. 2013? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. probably right before that, maybe. It's, it's a good four or five years before he resurfaces. He's in TNA yeah. for a bit, but. Yeah, he wins the title in TNA. <laughs> you can fucking believe that. Um, That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, he's there for a bit. Spoilers. Sucks to have... We'll see if, that, if we get there. Uh, sucks to have Foley uh, off the desk. Oh, you won't remember. <laughs> uh, we do get a big pop for Hardy. dances out. We get a lockup. A Hardy flurry to keep Edge reeling. Edge comes slugging back, but Hardy controls through the arm. They spill outside. Hardy throws him to the barricade, but whiffs on a rolling splash. After a break, Edge is beating on the leg. He's in full control. Wrenches at it. And he moves slowly through his offense, allowing him to stay in control. Edge hammers away at Hardy's. We had a lot of Hell in a Cell talk. Hardy sneaks in a neckbreaker and puts Edge in the tree of woe, but he whiffs on the dropkick. Hardy recovers and mashes Edge with a slinging dropkick for a near fall. But Edge comes back and gets two on an impaler. Hardy dodges a leap and gets a whisper in the wind. The crowd's all into this now as Hardy slams Edge and goes up top. Edge rolls away and Jeff comes down. Jeff is hobbling, so Edge goes for the knee. Hardy jumps over a spear and collapses when Edge flies out to the floor. As Hardy lays on the edge of the ring, MVP comes in. He kicks Hardy in the side of the head and then sneaks away. Edge rolls in and finishes with a spear to put away his old friend. And I thought the fit. <laughs> I've, I've said this a million times, I guess. I'll say it one more. Uh, it's a good finish to a very boring Edge match, uh, which is his <laughs> trend in 2008. Uh, it was, it was, I guess it was kind of a show saver, but not really. Hardy was great. His timing and offense is back in place. And I thought the best parts of the match when he was doing his offense, the finish was fine. It sets up SummerSlam with Hardy and MVP edge gets a win ahead of that match with Undertaker. Nothing really stood out. And this is a really boring show. Like it, it shows that Saturday's main event is, uh, is probably really cooked. Like Keith was referencing earlier, they did get some SummerSlam hype in. It served well enough as a recap of current events, but the rest really stunk uh, and kind of a sad ending to the once great program. So, you could argue this may be up there with some of the worst side. It's been, it, it may be the worst side. It's been event. If you want to count it as part of the canon. So Keith, yeah, I went two and a half on the match, um, but really just not much going on here. 
I I went two and a half as well. Uh, it was it was a fun match. Again, it's just it's it, just like you're saying. I mean, this is this is just a dying horse, and they're just continuing to beat it. Um, I did great. I did love that they brought back the together song during the uh, yes together. I was so excited <laughs> for that, and it was nice seeing Alicia Fox before she was Alicia Fox, which was kind of mm-hmm. cool. But uh, yeah, no, it was. Um, I'm trying to think. Was Vicky between Lita and Beth? I think she was, right? I think that's what Edge had. So um, I don't know, but um, <laughs> but no, I think um, it was a good hype for SummerSlam. Which I went back and I looked at the SummerSlam card. That was a mm-hmm. shitty SummerSlam too. Like SummerSlam 08 was bad. So I don't really know what was going on in 08, but eesh, maybe because TNA was running hot. I don't know. Well, was the TNA at this hot? point. Uh, have all been pretty great, actually. Like, Scott and I's grades and our guests have been pretty strong. Like, most of them are, are 7 out of 10 or higher uh, for this year. Mm. We'll see how SummerSlam shakes out. I do know Cena Batista is pretty great at SummerSlam, but we'll see how the rest of it mm-hmm. shakes it's, it's a two-match It's a two match card, I feel like. I think yeah. that it's the Hell in the Cell, and then it's Batista-Cena. I mean, you might want to say something about, I don't know, MVP and Jeff Hardy, but mm-hmm. I just, yeah, for me, it's a two-match card. But then again, most pay-per-views are... You know, right. If those hit, lucky that's sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, what'd you think of the match? Well, I'm starting to understand why Peter didn't want to show um, to, <laughs> to end Saturday hey. night's main event. <laughs> huh. um, it's, uh, you know, it was it was two and a half is what I did as well. Uh, I will say that the DDT that Edge gets was very gorgeous. He just floated uh, Hardy and slammed him down. So that was the highlight of the match for me. Um, I liked um, Hardy dodging the spear a bunch before Edge finally gets it. Uh, I feel like he's probably done that in a, in a bunch of matches, though. Um, so pretty basic and pretty, thankfully, short show, Scott. Yeah. Uh, like I said... I- WWE just did this because they had an ob- they obviously had an obligation mm-hmm. on NBC to do this. Um and uh they just did it. They like slapped together some bunch of shit and threw it on NBC. Uh, that you could clear you could clearly tell they uh, they could honestly care less. Uh I think the whole charity thing with the uh, with with Jenny McCarthy was totally NBC's thing. I don't think WWE even fucking cared. I don't know. Uh, I'd have to look back. Like, I feel like they were doing shit with them on Raw and stuff, too. So it may have been them. Um, I don't remember her being on. I don't remember them doing. Well, maybe, yeah, but I, I think know. they were hyping it and doing those little vignette things. Maybe not. I could be wrong, but I don't know. I feel like more to it than just the show. I feel like uh, I feel like WWE didn't totally dive into the, the like charitable stuff till like 2012 or 13. I might be wrong. But anyway, the, the show itself. um was was a throwaway that WWE could give two shits about. And, I mean, this match is fine. It's typical Edge, typical Jeff. Nothing earth-shattering. Um, uh, and that that's pretty much it. I mean, it was an obligation they had to give to NBC. And they but they shouldn't use the damn obligation. Like, like give I us agree. A, you know, I agree. To pull up our ball, uh, announce JBL. Maybe he wins a four-way to get the title shot instead of just being mysterious about it. Maybe have Undertaker like do like I, I know he wasn't really on yet because he was coming back, but maybe do some spooky shit at the end. Have the lights go out and the don and the gong or whatever. Like there was ways to make this show enjoyable mm-hmm. um, without how they did it. Like 
you know, like, I'm not looking. I'm not stumping for Triple H to be on, but they put him on. Like, why not? He's I, there. I was uh, waiting. I was waiting for a gong. I really was. I thought that's how the match was going to end, or at least somewhat yeah. how it was going to end. Right. Yeah. You got Kali out there. Have Triple H come out. There's there's a lot of different ways they could have properly hyped SummerSlam by utilizing this hour, mm. and instead they they really just make it a waste of an effort. Um, and it sucks because we've been on a red hot hot streak uh, here in 08, Scott. So. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our awards. Uh, that's it already. So pretty quick show. <laughs> uh, match of the night. I went with. I mean, Slim Pickens, but I went with Hardy <laughs> for the Edge here. Yeah, I guess she had to. Yeah. yeah. Is. yeah. Okay. Uh, worst match. I, I went with Yang versus Kali. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot of not a lot of guessing games tonight in this uh, awards session. MVP of the night. I went with Hardy. I, I thought he looked the best. I liked his offense. Um, anytime he was on top, the match was at its best. And I thought he just looked like the biggest, uh, the best in-ring competitor here. Uh, I agree. Oh, just oh, she's the, L- <laughs> no, she's the, that's the next category, Jenny. <laughs> Take, wait two seconds. I no, went with, uh, I went I with like Punk. <laughs> I went with you Punk. Punk he, was, yeah, he, did, he did pretty good commentary, actually. You know, hmm. I always like, I, I like Punk. Well, I liked Punk on the commentary back then. Yeah. <laughs> but he was talking about everybody else's ego. Yeah. Yeah. Fitting. <laughs> I went with Batista for most valuable. He All was right. hot. He was super over in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, who you got? Uh, I go. I did Hardy because he did. Okay. Uh, he did hold his own. He's one of the few guys that actually looked good in the ring. All right. For LVP in my notes, I had Kane because I thought he looked terrible in that match. Mm. But I, uh, based on Jenny's hint a second ago and the, what we talked about, <laughs> Jenny, I think it, the whole yeah. thing. Yes. After, uh, and yeah, it was very, match. very heavy-handed. There was, there was really, there was really no need for it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Kane only because there was one point where he looked like he was leaping into the turnbuckles like on a <laughs> reversal, and it just, he looked like he was gonna miss it completely. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. Yeah, I, I do remember that. It was, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, he, he did not look good in that match. No. Uh, best moment, I went with um, Batista's entrance. I don't know. I don't know what else there was. There wasn't a lot of moments going on. Oh. But that big poppy guts was probably the best part of the night. I think the best moment was MVP showing up and just, you know, laying yeah, out good. Jeff Hardy. That was great. That's what I had. Yeah. Nice. What do you got, Scott? Yeah, I'll go. Uh, the uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the uh, the Kane missing the turnbuckle. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty good. Her best moment? Yeah, I think it was the best moment of the night. That's the best moment for me. No, I'm just kidding. I think the best moment should have been Kane powerbombing Jenny McCarthy off. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think Jenny would have made that for best moment. Uh, I got to say, you know what? I know this is dumb. I'm going to put Punk with the ego line. I don't know. I just Mm. thought, and I think about him, like, how how ridiculously prophetic that line would be. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking 15 years later, but I kind of dug that. Yeah. All right. For surprise of the night, again, there wasn't much going on, but I went with them using, like, this pre-SummerSlam hype show on NBC is it all? It's as an infomercial. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I think Ben Stiller was a surprise. Yes. Like Ben Stiller? <laughs> it's obvious that these celebrities didn't know anything. They just like, oh, it's for charity, whatever. Let me read these lines. Like right. nobody yeah. cares. Uh, it's surprising that uh, any of these dipshits can put together anything. Um <laughs> Considering they don't know what autism is or how to fight it. All right. So uh, I haven't given a grade this low in it's probably years on this show, Scott. 
I'm comfortable in saying I know we've had some bad MSGs, so this is down there with those. Uh, it's easily to me the worst Sirensman event that they ever did. It was a complete waste of 45 minutes. It's very rare. I do a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of wrestling <laughs> for these podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's rare that I come away from watching something and feel like my life would be better if I just hadn't spent my time watching that. And <laughs> I'm not saying everything I watch is good or fun, but I at least find some value in most things. This was like a legit waste of time. Um, we only did it for completionist sake, but otherwise not much here to get excited about. I went a two and a half out of 10. I thought um, it sucked. Uh, yeah, I mean, I honestly, and I, I did watch it. Uh, I honestly think that if we didn't watch it, we could have just talked about it as if we didn't watch it and probably came away with the same feelings. Um, yeah, you could, de- again, you could definitely tell that WWE had an obligation. NBC and WWE did the whole autism thing. It's an inform, you know, they did, Jenny mm-hmm. did her stupid thing on the, on the stage and the matches were shit. Um, I don't think we've ever given a show a zero. I I, I don't think I could go that bad, but I'm going to give it a one and a half. Mm. I mean, it was literally unwatchable crap from beginning to end. It really was. If it wasn't for the main event, I probably would have went even lower. To me, that was at least watchable. Yeah, this was not savable at all. I mean, take the autism stuff out of it. The the matches were just uninspiring. They didn't treat this show like you should treat a Saturday night's main event, which is a pure hype thing for SummerSlam, and they didn't. Even though SummerSlam was only two weeks away, it was shorter, mm-hmm. you know, it was middle of the month, unlike the end of the month, like it usually is. And they didn't do anything about it. They didn't use it right. They just were like, all right, well, we got, we got to put this obligation. NBC wants us to do some wrestling show. Jenny, pimp some shit that whatever you're doing and have some matches and be done. I mean, it was just, a, it was just no effort and a complete waste of time. Yeah, wasted opportunity for sure. Cause you could have done something cool here. Definitely. So. Definitely. Um, <sighs> Two, I guess. I'm gonna do two. <laughs> can I can I match the rating of 1.4 and say 1.4? And the only reason, and I know I gave you know the the two of the matches over two or two stars, but the the thing with the Jenny McCarthy, I mean, she could have at least come down to the ring and got in the ring against autism. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. would it have been too much for her to come in the ring and do like the flare elbow drop on like an, on an autism jacket or something? Like. <laughs> Something. I thought you were gonna say it on autistic. I did too. <laughs> not uh, autistic. I really think. <laughs> I back. really think that's how she thinks you fight autism. Uh, Probably well, hit the autistic children. And mm-hmm. it's just, and that's just, I could, I could just picture Vince with Jeff Foxworthy, Common Electra, and Ben Stiller going, make sure you say, <laughs> get in the ring, get in the ring, gonna throw the smack down on him. She could have dropped an elbow on a syringe, you know, or something stupid. Have, yeah, yeah, some vaccine, sure, some va- Yeah, big, big syringe, a big, a big rubber but syringe that sits on it or something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've, I've never, Jenny McCarthy's one of those people I've never liked ever for no reason, no redeeming value, and this just added more to it, and I was totally surprised, because I think I watched this when it was on, and I haven't watched it since. So when I went back and looked at this now, I was like, "Oh Jesus, Jenny McCarthy's gonna show up." She's still, and I'm going. She's still relevant. And I went, "Wait, this is 2008. What the hell's wrong with you?" And I'm just like, "Oh God." So yeah, one point for then. She's barely relevant then. <laughs> or seriously. All right, listen. I'm glad this thing's in the book. Now that I wouldn't enjoy watching uh, talking to you guys longer here tonight, <laughs> Jenny. But uh, the, the less said about this show, the better. We'll be back in two weeks' time, Scott, with another Mm -hmm. guest. Uh, We'll be talking SummerSlam 2008, like we talked about earlier. And then, actually, a month from today, we'll be dropping our 2022 Halloween special. So, looking forward to that. It's already time. Crazy enough. 
I know. Um, all right, let's wrap things up. Everyone, take care. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Jenny, Keith, thanks for joining us. Yes, yeah, so it's a good event. Rest in peace.